Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Craftsman Online Podcast, the only five-star rated Masonic podcast endorsed by the Grand Lodge of New York. Any opinions, thoughts, or viewpoints shared during this program are that of the individual and do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant, or concordant body from which that member may hail. I'm your host, Brother Michael Arce, co-founder of CraftsmanOnline.com. You've joined us for an episode. Oh, we're returning to comics and the craft, and we'll be exploring the Moon Knight as... The Moon Knight follows Stephen Grant, who by day and well, sometimes at night can be a mild-mannered gift shop employee, but becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. We've brought back one of our favorite guests, Worshipful Brother Wes Latchford, for this installment as we dive into the mysteries of ancient Egypt mythology and possible connections to Masonic teachings. Welcome back, Brother Wes. Thanks, and I'm certainly hoping that... Uh... You know, the third time back is an indication that we're not just completely nerding people out with uh, with discussions <laughs> of the comics. And I guess I have to put a caveat and say at some point we'll get to the DC universe, but but there's a lot more to peel back in Marvel. <laughs> yeah, true. I feel like we need to have a little bit more uh, nerd equity, <laughs> to be fair. But you turned me on to the Moon Knight series. And initially, I watched it over Labor Day weekend last year. And since then, I've watched it three more times. And it even inspired me. I wanted to go as the Mood Knight for the uh, Halloween costume party I attended. But there is no way I was going to spend $130 on a cosplay costume that was all white around people at a bar. So I just went as a you know knockoff Egyptian pharaoh, which we'll kind of talk about how it kind of could be the same thing. But this series is different from the other Marvel offerings that are available on Disney Plus. What drew you to the Moon Knight series as we start easing our way into the discussion here? So what actually drew me to Moon Knight um, was the actual release of the title. Um, again, uh, Moon Knight number one hit uh, comic stands as a standalone title in November of 1980, uh, which was literally right at the height of me and my high school buddies' active comic collecting um, careers. Actually, Moon Knight first appeared in an episode of Werewolf by Night back in 75, so it wasn't like it was a new character. And oh, by the way, if you get the chance to watch Werewolf by Night, that's really weird. Much more so. So yeah, so write down Werewolf by Night. That's the most recent release I've had. Mm -hmm. So back to the story. Um, Yeah, so have been engaged with Moon Knight um, since the early 80s. Um, Actually, the fun fun story is uh, in order to save money um, for our burgeoning collections, me and a group of guys that I hung out with, um, because comics were a whole 50 cents at the time, um, what we do was someone would claim a title and then that was theirs that they were basically responsible for, for one, buying the collector's version, right? So we'd buy one 
of whichever ones were our titles and we neatly put them in plastic wrap and put them in you know fireproof boxes and then we bought a second one that was just for consumption you know, for reading and for fun and then you just passed them around so i didn't have to spend you know we didn't have to spend a dollar fifty um you know buying titles that we knew you know Corey or kurt or you know any of the rest of the guys already had and so we just we passed them around so that, that's where i first saw the moon knight and i was excited um when they said they were actually going to turn it into not just a, a featurette but actually a, a series and the the other aspect a little man crush here but the fact it had oscar isaac uh, didn't hurt in uh, the promotion either yeah and I, I at the point we were talking about this was not really interested in moon knight because it seemed like marvel was getting off of the netflix where they had done some deals with like iron fist and some of the other storylines of less familiar at least to mainstream comic book fans and i was like ah moon knight is, i never had seen anything about it but after watching the first episode, I was like, this does a fantastic job of setting up the storyline and really hooking the, the viewer. And that's where I started making some Masonic connections. Like at first, I think most Brother Masons listening are familiar with the line as the sun rules the day, the moon governs the night. And here we kind of see that dynamic with Stephen Grant, who is our hero working as a lonely kind of nerdy museum gift shop employee with a British accent. But by night, he becomes Mark Spector, who's like this uh, paramilitary assassin guy. Um, where do you pick up on that Sun, Moon, Stephen, Mark relationship? Yeah, so there's so there's a, an interesting couple interesting ties with that. Um, one, it's a time for a little Egyptology 101. Um, but within Egyptian mythology, uh, you know, obviously you had the sun god, which most you know a lot of folks are familiar with, Ra. Um, you know, who was the primary northern kingdom sun god and then got adopted by the southern kingdom in the unification of, you know, this, that, or the other thing thousands of years ago. Um, but some things that folks may not be familiar with is there was actually three different entities uh, for the, the sun god based on the time of day. And so Kepri uh, was actually the sun in the morning, rising in the east, young break of the day, high noon, and, you know, the sun at maturity was raw. And then towards the end of the day, um, you ended up with Atum, who was the basically the deteriorating aging god. And then the sun would set, and then the moon would rise. And the god of the moon, who helped evening and night transitors safely from one point to another, was Konsu. And actually, they call it Khonshu in the series, but the, but the actual Egyptian name is Khonsu. Um, and he was the god of moon and time. Hmm. And so you've got the sun and the moon right there. Um, and actually, Khonsu was even known as the embracer, pathfinder, the defender, and and healer. Because, again, he was he was watching over what was taking place with folks, particularly traveling at night. Again, you know, much like we had uh, midnight lodges because... You know, you didn't, you, know, you had to travel at a moon, you know, full moon in order to have the illumination to get from point A to point B. You know, it might, your, your lodge might not be at the end of the street. Um, so that's, so that was the first sun and the moon thing. And then 
with that, you get the the different personalities, right, between Stephen and Mark. Um, and it's interesting that in the comic series, um, Stephen Grant is actually a billionaire, mm-hmm. <laughs> not not a not a shop clerk at a museum. Um, but the the baseline character had about four different personalities that he would shift from, and the whole concept of of uh, what they may have been suffering from, which is not schizophrenia, it's something completely different. Um, but he would leverage those personalities based on what information he was trying to glean. So there's a little bit of, of detective spy stuff that went along with it. Um, but the, but the TV series, you know, again, sets up this great dichotomy between, you know, a very passive um, shop clerk and yeah. And again, Mark, you know, who is a you know former you know, vigilante soldier of fortune um, who got abandoned in the desert on a mission and managed to crawl um, into the tomb of Konsu, at which point Konsu, you know, basically made him a proposition and said, I'll, you know, restore you if you serve as, you know, my left hand. He's actually not the right hand. He's the left hand um, executor of justice against evil. Hmm, interesting. Or evil persons. Mark doesn't really have any superpowers, kind of like Batman, right? He doesn't have any superpowers per se, but he's, you know, exceptionally highly trained, um, very, very good at using his wits and his experiences to get, to get both out and into uh, trouble. Um, and so if he had any real superpower, it was the fact that he was basically immortal because if he was injured or died, and you see this a couple of times in the series, you know, Konshu will resurrect him as it were and uh, and he's he's back on the front line again uh, so the other thing that i found interesting in in this in this parallel is that the character of Konshu in the tv series looks a lot more like toth who in egyptian mythology had the head of an ibis so it's the one you traditionally see um in the burial of the dead right with the egyptians where he's the scribe of the gods right and you see him he's got the, the pointy the pointy head looks again looks like a you know looks like a stork and so that's what you see in the tv series but that's not Konsu, that's toth and Konsu actually had the head of a falcon hmm. and looked a lot like um horus except that his headgear had a moon on it not a sun and uh, so, so, but again, you get that sun and that moon connection and, you know, and we know full well, you know, as the, you know, the sun rules the day and the moon governs the night, you know, so should not only the worshipful master, but masons in general, you know, manage their hearts and their lives, um, you know, by that normal cycle. When you were talking about the three stages of the sun, if we could go back to that point. And you talked about the specific names of them. I started thinking, okay, as as a Freemason, I would hear the sun and I would immediately go, okay, what officer has that role or is that symbolizes their role? That would be the worshipful master. And I was like, okay, so then the worshipful master's job is to open and close the lodge. And perhaps we could also connect that where you have the open of the lodge and then you have the sun at Meridian, which would be the middle part of the meeting and then closing it at the end which I've always found interesting in our ritual when it comes to the role of the senior warden who rises to help the master open the lodge at the beginning of the day, which makes no sense. And yet it does make sense because when the lodge is closed, the senior warden is spending that time basically observing and learning what needs to be done when it becomes his day to move to the East and rule. So I was trying to find some of those, you know, deeper connections that may exist there. 
The other thing is the differences between Mark as the TV character or Stephen Grant we have on TV versus what we see in the series. What did you prefer? Did you like the almost Bruce Wayne style guy or do you like the nerdy gift store, gift shop employee, as he calls himself? The thing with a series, both as as a comic and then also, um, again, very, very well done. I mean, just I can't speak enough about it. I think it's underappreciated because it does get a little weird in places, too. Um, but having that dichotomy um, of personalities present in one person i mean it's one thing to be billionaire bruce wayne and the batman mm. or you know billionaire you know stephen grant and then you know for you know former soldier of fortune mark um to something where you know you have a completely passive and docile individual who you know does anything and everything i mean it's about as socially awkward as as you can define um and then literally an alter ego you know that is you know just you know the the jason born of of you know egyptian mythology <laughs> right and uh and or macgyver if you want to go back you know and and really show your age um you know but, but again so it's i kind of like that play between the two of them and as you get further you know mini spoiler alert you know as you get further into the episodes um you come to start to to find out where these personalities originated from and, yes. and and you and you really discover exactly um, where this you know split you know multi personality person in particular with the two key personalities in the series evolved from. Does that exist? Is that storyline the same in the comics? Yeah, it's similar, but but not quite the same. Because basically, Mark creates Stephen as a he manifests him as a way to protect himself from being in, abused as a child by his mother. Yeah, and and again, I think a lot of us can take and uh, and empath empathize with that. Um, you know, where he he built this idea. It's the place where he would go, and he built this idealistic family in his head. You know that then you know manifested itself as a personality. And and again, however, on the flip side, you've got the other part of that person um you know again who you know who's the opposite and that's the the show within the show where uh steven is not aware of mark and it i could totally understand where it's like if you found out you had in steven's case he has multiple personality syndrome he's just not aware of these other people that reside in him so he'll wake up and he won't know what day it is you, there's a part in the first episode where he shows up late to a date he would eat meat on a he's a vegan but he would he's a vegetarian but would eat meat with a girl that he's trying to impress like he spaces he, he has a goldfish that's continuously dying and then gets restocked <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of like where he wakes up in some of the most exotic places in the world, having no <laughs> idea how he got there. And it's three weeks later. <laughs> you know, it's just don't you wish must be nice where uh, Mark Spector, which you would think is the main character, at least in the series. But they tend to make Stephen, at least on the, the televised version of it. Mark is completely aware of Stephen and wants to keep him uh, boxed up or restricted and is always. Um, it seems like deal making with him to get permission to use the body as he'll refer to it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, that there's, there are certain places. Um, I know, I think we're, we've all had this as well um, where Steven kind of serves as, as the conscience, mm. you know, that, that quiet, just, you don't know where it's coming from, but there's just something in your head that says, this isn't right. 
you know, and, and Mark tries to come to terms with that too, because I mean, here's somebody who's done a lot of really nasty stuff, you know, right. particularly as the Moon Knight in the name of good. Um, but again, you know, what's the difference between a superhero and a vigilante? Um, you know, they spend, spend a lot of time in the, in the Marvel comic universe, you know, exploring that theme. Oh yeah. And, it's even, a- and even, and even in the, in the movies, you know, they, I mean, the whole movie civil war, you know, it kind of runs along that line of, you know, when, when do you cross the line of, you know, no longer being a hero and, and being something you didn't mean to be. Traumatizing that there's, I refer to it as the timeout episode, when uh, Mark and Stephen are institutionalized, for lack of a better term, but really are they, and they are confronted with kind of dealing with the harsh truths of reality, which in their world is, hey, you're two different personalities or people that reside in one body, and um, you're symbiotic, you're connected, and as we think about the, you know, you're one person in public, you're one person in private, is really having that conversation, as they would say, with the man in the mirror and going, yeah, my actions of how I act this way, I can't come home and treat my family differently. Or I can't feel like when I'm in the, this also, I would just say as another example, I can't act one way when I'm in the safety or the confines of Lodge, where I'm around other men, and we have all taken this obligation of keeping things inviolate in each other's breasts and we can share secret. And I can't look at that as a way to act as somebody different than I would if I was out on the street and just walking around with my non-Masonic friends. Like I need to be the same person to both people. And that's what I kind of love about that episode where they, they bring that together. As you touched on, justice is a big part of the plot in this series and i think for those going okay well they were talking about egyptian gods and avatars and left hand and right hand mans um so you have you know two uh two kind of protagonists and antagonists depending on how you're looking at it so you have Khonshu, as you had laid out the egyptian god of the moon who he says that his job is to punish those who have already done harm he'll say that he's real justice and then you have the opposite, and I'm going to let you get into the whole Harrow and Amit situation because it took me a second time of watching it to really understand this yin and yang here. Back to uh, the Valley of the Kings and uh, some some more Egyptian mythology. Um, yeah, you have Khonshu, um, who you know in the series, you know is is what he was in mythology, you know, the, the god of the moon. And if you take him as kind of a, an additional representation of Toth, you know, the scribe of the gods. Um, and then you have, on the other side, um, you have a goddess um, whose name is Amit. And she's actually the servant of the Egyptian goddess Mot, who, interestingly enough, um, is Khonshu's Ma. Oh, Okay. She is um, the the goddess of truth and justice. And so the way the whole um, transition to the afterlife worked in, in Egyptian mythology was when you passed away, um, you were escorted uh, to the Hall of Justice. Sounds like a super friends thing, but, <laughs> it, you know, so the Hall of Judgment, let's use that instead. Um, and there you were judged by pretty much the entire mythological kingdom of whether you were worthy to transit to the afterlife or whether you would cease to exist there. And Amit um, was 
the that's actually portrayed as an alligator um, was the sub goddess that would exact that justice on a person who's lived a bad life. And mm. the way that was determined was Anubis, who would was the keeper of the dead and had the head of a jackal. Um, he would take you into the underworld and was also the keeper of the scales. And what they would do was they would take your heart again, right? Where were you first prepared to be a Mason? Uh, they take mm -hmm. your heart and weigh it against the weight of a feather. And it's actually called Mott's feather because she's winged and it actually comes off of one of her wings. And if the scales balance, then you get to continue on to the afterlife. If your heart does not weigh the same as the feather and the scales tip out of your favor, your heart is immediately devoured by Amet and you cease to exist forever. It's, you're, you're, hmm. you're, you're done. Um, so, so you get that idea of, of not just justice, but there's, there's this line of vengeance that goes within the storyline as well, because, you know, a lot of people think they're clamoring for justice when in all reality, they're actually, it's actually vengeance that they're seeking. And that, that can really cloud things. And there's several instances within the series, you know, where you see, you know, they think they're executing justice, you know, in the name of something. Um, but what it really is, is, you know, either on their own or on behalf of someone else, because, again, they're acting as avatars um, for these Egyptian gods and goddesses on Earth. Um, you know, it's at the behest of somebody else. And there, there's a lot of manipulation in there, too, which is where Harold then comes into comes into play. And uh, because he he has his own bizarre relationship um with the uh, with the Egyptian gods too, but it, the, that whole you know justice and uh, judgment thing just kind of gets you know gets me to the you know according to your several imprecations. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My brother came to visit during the holidays. We were looking for something to kind of binge one day, and I'm like, ah. Moon Knight. You're going to love this. This is a really cool series. The production value, amazing. It's got a cool, completely different Marvel storyline. There will be no team-ups with this guy because he's got his own people. <laughs> just trust me. <laughs> just watch it. And he really enjoyed it. But the one thing that I felt they were kind of leaning on, and it, this is just a me asking you as a fan question, we run into the issue in our story that Mark and Steven Scales didn't balance. And they're kind of stuck in this purgatory in two places. What was it that we learned that they suffer or that Stephen and Mark suffer from? And how does that apply in advancing the storyline? Yeah. So a lot of folks, you know, think that it's, it's some form of schizophrenia, um, but it's actually called disassociative identity disorder. Um, and that's part of how, Mark knew of Stephen, but Stephen, I, I think just because of his, his personality and being so socially awkward, just was not clued in enough to realize that 
waking up halfway around the world three weeks from when you last remember something was probably not good. And the issue here is that because they were tied together, they're there's a part of the storyline I'm trying not to give away because I want you to watch this. I think you're really going to like it. If you've gotten this far, you're like, okay, you had me at Egyptian mythology. Um, they do work in this really cool storyline where um, I know I'm going to get this wrong and I'm glad to have you here because this opens up the hippo character, but they're traveling on this, what looks like the Ark on a sandy river and they're trying to get to the golden fields and they're scales don't balance so while well. they're dealing with that on the arc and the sandy river they're also in the they're institutionalized or so we believe so and they're dealing with dr harrow who's dissecting and like turning the mirrors literally on one to acknowledge that the other exists yeah and, and yeah so the 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 arc you talk about that's basically exactly what it is 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 it's horus who's the you know the god of the underworld um you know kind of the egyptian hades that's his barge that will take you to the afterlife and so in in actual you know mythology that would have all been determined ahead of time they'd have done the whole scale thing and and we'd have had that all you know all sorted you know beforehand um but it plays out kind of the same because the scale doesn't balance. And so the interesting thing is one of them isn't going to get there or are both of them not going to get there because they're one and the same. And so it actually, mm. you know, kind of, it, it creates a very, very interesting dichotomy and, and situation where, you know, even, even, you know, the Egyptian gods are like, we're not sure how to handle this, you know, because we've not necessarily had somebody who, you know, was so intertwined with you know, this really bad and really good side. Do you separate the two? You know, is the judgment on, you know, the body with the two minds or is the judgment on the minds and, you know, the hearts and the soul? And, you know, so it's 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 a very, very interesting take on uh, on how that might have all played off. It's almost like a subconscious experience or out of body experience because it's the first time that we actually get to see both of them on screen together, at least in the television series. Normally, they're bargaining with each other of who's going to have control of the body at that point. And this is kind of the first time that it looks like there's two people, like twin brothers on the screen. Yeah, and I love how they pull that off without it looking really really chintzy um but <laughs> the, the the other thing interesting thing that plays out with that and i think i think twin brothers um might be a good analogy for it because you know as that particular episode and that scene plays out um, you actually start to see mark you know the mercenary um, build some empathy you know which has never really existed and on the same mm. side you start to see steven you know step up you know, and realize, you know, I, you know, you know, if I'm not, if, you know, if I don't stand for something, I'll fall for anything. And so as I, so he actually, you know, takes a stand and actually, I think at one point, you know, actually, um, you know, puts himself between, you know, Mark and some danger and basically puts himself into harm's way, which is something he would never have done, you know, up until that point. Um, so with that, then I think you start to see, a reconciling of the two personalities where they still exist, um, but they're, they're not necessarily antagonistic of each other. They actually realize that each, they draw strength from each other or they can draw strength from each other. And, and I think that's what we'll find, what we can find in masonry too. Mm. Cause a lot of times when we think about, you know, justice and, and, 
judgment. Um, you know, we can talk about the transition from it. EA to Fellowcraft when you you approach the porch and you're told about you know the the two pillars you know where the wisdom and knowledge of masonry was was stored um and but within those two I mean those are also um, you know representative of you know a couple of things that work with it too both power and control you know so you know we're given this power of knowledge um but we're also asked to maintain control of it and and i think you see that um, with with the two different you know personality characters is you know they were both they were both on opposite ends of the control spectrum and it wasn't until you know they finally came to meet in the middle that they you know kind of on either side whether it was you know incredible passiveness or super hyper aggressiveness, you know, they were able to circumscribe those desires and and keep them within due bounds. And, and it was at that point when then they were actually both very effective together. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't either one, either one having to, to take the show. They, they both, you know, were working together. So kind of, kind of cool thing. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. And it took watching it a third time to go, Okay, so in masonry, we're familiar with the two pillars. We got Boaz and Jacob, strength and beauty, right? And um, as a candidate, when you're coming in through the degrees, you know, there's something significant happens at that pillar and they're explained to you. And at that moment, because I'm going to use this word, you, in my opinion, become the point within the circle. With We actually have the physical representation of a point and, of course, the two parallel lines that would represent that. My thought was the that scales that if we were trying to pull in the connection is less of the scales of justices and dealing out justice to others, but the scales of equality, in my opinion, of, okay, you need a little bit of strength and you need a little bit of beauty. And of course, strength and beauty in the allegorical terms, not as in the actual, you need to be strong and pretty, like our guest, Brother Wes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to borrow a thought that uh, a good brother of ours, uh, Brother Angel Millar, had suggested and that in his latest book, he talks about the concept of being kind of a well-rounded man and that you have to be a warrior, but you also need to have that artistic side to you as well. And it seems to me that when you put those two people together in Stephen and Mark, you have Moon Knight or whatever this entity is, and that's what allowed them to eventually break through the river sand and get to back in the real world and finish at the series that we love. I think that's a, a key element that we sometimes tend to forget um, is that, you know, masonry is about the whole man. You know, it, it's, you know, we, we, you know, pat ourselves or, or, you know, throw just loosely use the term, you know, we take good men and make them better. Um, and my question is always how, mm. how do we do that? Um, and part of it, you know, is this admonition, you know, within all of our degrees, um, even in the appendant bodies, you know, is to take and make yourself more well-rounded, better educated, you know, most motto, um, more learnt. I'm trying to use all the words that my mom is saying, even your mom ain't never learnt you nothing. Um, but, uh, and because by then doing that, you build those things um, that allows you then to become a better man, right? And you have a greater toolkit that honestly expands 
well beyond um, you know all the tools of masonry indiscriminately you know to to something that is even more applicable in in your daily life both as you know as a, a husband a father a brother a son you know putting you know whatever particular you know a, a boss an employee you know a, a you know, peewee football coach, you know, you can name the the hundreds and thousands of instances where the, the lessons of masonry you know, serve not only example for you, but should be an example for other people, you know, who look and go, that's a really good guy. I would tell you that there are many other Masonic themes that are also a part of this geometry. Um, some of the ancient mystery school ideas are presented. But the cool thing is, is that ancient Egyptian mythology that I think a lot of us uh, understand exists in some of where we are in Freemasonry, at least some of the old origin stories. Um, and to see it literally be brought before you in life on television is pretty cool. They do a great job with the special effects. And we don't want to ruin it because the closing credit scene does open up the idea if there is going to be a season two, which would be phenomenal. Um, my last question, just as a comic book fan is, how much of what we see in the Disney series with, I think it's like six or seven episodes, how much of that is from the comic book? Was that a storyline or did they bring a couple other pieces of it together? It was, it was kind of an amalgamation um, of, of stories. If, if I recall, I think Moon Knight is a separate title ran for about seven years uh, mm. before, before it finished out. So there's, there's plenty for them to, to go back and, and dig through. Um, but, but even in the, in the whole um, universe, you know, there are base storylines, but they really have, you know, all of, a good portion of these stories are all fairly original. You could probably, if you had, you know, your own, you know, comic story, you could probably go back through and go, oh yeah, well that was, you know, that was written by, you know, Jack Lindsay and, and, you know, the coloring was done by so-and-so and, you know, that storyline was in, you know, you know, fourth edition, you know, volume 45 you know and uh, but yeah so fortunately the brain doesn't quite work that well anymore <laughs> fortunately you're not that big of a comic book <laughs> they're out there and they sojourn to san diego every year for comic con i want to thank you again uh our most excellent guest i love bringing this guy on and i'm going to ask you off camera what we're going to be going to next but this has been the craftsman online podcast and our guest this week worshipful brother wes latchford thanks so much for coming on you can say thanks for having me. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, you can just tell Siri or Alexa to play the Craftsman Online podcast. We're available on all streaming platforms with new episodes every Monday morning. Until next time, on behalf of my guest, Wes, yes, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure being here. Perfect. Until next time, let peace and harmony prevail. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.